Are you in Psalm 16? Verse 1. <laughs> Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O oh, my soul, <laughs> you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, this is you. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I don't know, maybe. I think that was more like, more like me celebrating you than you celebrating you. I'll read it again so I can celebrate you. As for the saints who are on the earth, not the sinners, not the ones who are waiting to die on the cross, the saints who have been resurrected in Life Church Global, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. <laughs> then he goes on to talk about the enemies, not you. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Anybody hastening after another God in this room? So this is not your portion. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. Verse 5. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Not a lot of me, but you maintain my lot. <laughs> the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. <laughs> Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about reading that verse. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, wow. It's the last message on the character of the new creation. And the title of my message today is A Joyful Heart. Okay, so Psalm 16, if you, if you read, uh, if you go to the title of Psalm 16, it says it's a mictum or a mictum of David. And that word mictum really means a, a silent psalm or a, it, the word really means to cover up or it, it means to cover one's mouth while he's speaking. Okay, so the context of this psalm really is not about being drunk in the Holy Spirit. The context of the psalm is that David is in the midst of a crisis and he's surrounded in every way. He's surrounded all, he's all around, his enemies all around him and he cannot even pray. Which means he cannot take out his harp and say, Then sings my soul, ha 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 ha. He can't do any of that. 
In fact, he cannot even open his mouth and pray aloud because the enemy is right there. And so he prays this prayer under his breath. So this psalm is not a psalm of exuberance. It's a psalm of any minute now, I can die. This is the crisis that David is in when he's writing this psalm. Okay? So you must understand that David is being surrounded by problems. And the context of this psalm is actually, when you, you can go home when you, and, and read this, is actually Psalm, uh, is 1 Samuel 26, chapter 26 and 27. If you can read through that, you will understand really what is happening to David while he's writing this psalm. You don't have to go there now. I'll just talk about it so that you can get the context of the, of the, the message. David has been running from Saul now, and it's, he has spared Saul the first time. And this time in 1 Samuel chapter 26, he spares Saul the second time. And Saul has been pursuing David to kill him. And David is running around being innocent. Can you put yourself in this place? You're innocent. You did not commit any crime. It was not your fault. But yet somebody's out to get you. Okay? For not one year, 15 years. It's relentless pursuit, relentless danger. And David now is, has taken a couple of his men and while Saul was sleeping, he's gone up to him by the grace of God. He's gone up to him and stood next to his head while he was sleeping, takes his spear, his javelin spear and, and, and his water that was next to him and goes away. And he comes back and he confronts Saul and he says, who is the guy who was supposed to protect you? Because the guy who was protecting you is not protecting you. Look, I could have killed you. But I spared your life, king. In that moment, in that moment, Saul repents. And he says, David, thank you so much. It's like, David, you read, this, it's so funny. One minute he wants to kill him. Next minute he goes, David, my son. It's like, schizo. And actually, if you read through the story, Saul and David's story, you'll understand that actually this guy was schizo. And you must understand that it actually began when David killed Goliath and he was coming back with, with the head of a giant and the giant's sword in his hand. He was coming back into to, to, to Israel, into the town, and all the people were shouting, David kills 10,000 and Saul kills 1,000. It's like you come into this church and all our people heal more of sick than the pastor does. Which is what happens in this church. I don't know, I would give my, my <laughs> Give myself a high five. Give yourself a high five. High five, man. <laughs> Some of them are like, And so it is in that moment. Now I'm going to share something with you. You must pay attention, okay? David is coming back and in that moment when, listen, he killed one guy. And all the people are like, ooh, he killed 10,000. 
You understand? A lie sowed a seed into Saul's mind. It's called flattery. When people take credit for something they've not really done. But actually, David had no control of it because people were so happy with him. They were like, wow, Pastor John raises the dead every day. You know what I mean? No. Wait, hey, hello. <laughs> Just imagine if there was a pastor in the church now. Some of the pastors sitting in this church were like, he raises the dead every day? <laughs> We're going to have a Saul and David moment now. <laughs> so, so you have David who's coming back into this, into this thing, really celebrating because he served the king. He's innocent. He, he helped Israel. And Saul now, the Bible says that in that moment, Saul received a word that caused him to look at David in a different way. The Bible says that he started eyeing David. Eyeing. His name was not Ayingar, but his name was, he was eyeing. He was eyeballing him. He was looking at him. He was watching him. Have you ever been to a company where your boss is like, it's like looking at you all the time, waiting for you to make a mistake. The minute you make a mistake, pop, straight, fire him. Throw him out of the company. David is in that kind of a situation. He's even put spies around the guy's house to watch his every move. And so because of his insecurity, he brings him into the court. And so while he's in his court, he's brought him into his court where he sits down and he's looking at David. <laughs> you must understand that every thought is a word that carries within itself a dimension or a realm that has a, the power to influence you with the intention of the sender of the word. Do you understand? If I have an intention for your life and I'm speaking a word and if you receive that word, it's not just the word, but it's the intention in the word that causes you to enter into a dimension or a realm that influences you to either progress or digress. That's why I told you, watch out, it's coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in this moment, Saul is looking at David doing all these great stuff and people are celebrating him and a word comes into his mind. And when that word comes into his mind, it causes him to enter into a dimension or a realm of schizophrenia that, have you heard of mood swings? Where, where are you swinging from and where are you going to? No, have you ever thought of it? Think about it. Oh, she's, she's just having a mood swing, pastor. No, it's not having a mood swing. You've entered into a dimension or a realm or a, a, a cycle of an intention of a person that imprisons you. A thought that imprisons you. It causes you to behave in an uncontrollable manner. Fifteen years. Fifteen years, man. It caught him in the cycle. For 15 years, he did not know why he was killing him, but he wanted to kill David. Some people don't know the reason why they do things. It's only because they're caught in a cycle. 
You must understand, David called Saul the anointed of the Lord. You can be anointed but still struggle with schizophrenia. Hello. It's not a demonic spirit. It's a word. It's a word that when you choose another word, it causes you to enter into a cycle. Mood swings. Depression. Anxiety. Stress. These are all words. There are circumstances that release a word that causes you. Poverty is another one. It's a cycle. That causes you to only think poor. Only think you are poor. I don't have. I have a million dollars, but I don't have any money, Pastor. I don't have any money to give. <laughs> and parents teach their children, keep your money with you. Don't give it to your friends. <laughs> Some of y'all are laughing nervously. You understand? Rather than saying freely, you have received, freely give. That's a word that, that, that keeps you in an uncontrollable attitude. Oh, come on, man. Do you understand? Saul was caught in an uncontrollable cycle. Today is okay. Tomorrow, we don't know. And so he's sitting there now in his court and David is playing the harp and, he's, and actually demons are beginning to manifest in, while David is playing the harp and this guy takes a javelin and he flings it at David. For what? He's innocent, man. He hasn't done it. In fact, he's serving you. He's the one who killed the giant in your life. You understand? It's uncontrollable. Saul, if he Saul woke up in that moment, he'd be like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Have you met people like that? Yeah. Have you been like that? <laughs> yeah. Today, sandstorm, depressed. <laughs> no sales in my business, depressed. Let's go watch a comedy movie. Why? Because I feel like laughing. Let's watch Friends. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have any friends. Why are you clapping? <laughs> Please listen to me. The, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm getting to something, okay? It's going to be very good today. It's going to be very good. Just remember the title of my message. Joy of the? A joyful heart. Joy of the Lord, joyful heart, full of joy, joyful. All of it is the same thing, man. When you come under the influence of a word, listen to me very carefully. When you come under the influence of a word, if it's not God's word, it's the counsel of the enemy. And when you receive that word and it gets into your mind and you submit to it, it causes you to not have power. You do things that are uncontrollable. You have no control over yourself. Sin causes you to do that, do things that like alcohol is one of them. Habits are one of those. It's a word. You've just practiced that habit, habit really well over the years and now the habit has you. Are you with me? And so now David is, is in this moment where he can kill Saul, 
But he knows he has to honor the anointing upon a man. Let me tell you something. No matter the flaws of a man, when he's anointed, when she's anointed of the Lord, the minute you touch him, you're touching the anointing that is on the Lord. Now, that's not a warning. That's an encouragement. That is an encouragement not to stay away from these anointed people. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Every person in this church, you're anointed. And every demon in hell is leaving you alone. I don't know. Yeah. Every demon, the day you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he separates you for his purpose. Every other church, every other Christian can be good Christians and they can go to heaven. We're going to stay back and we're going to change the world. Okay. When they come back, they'll realize, oh, you're still here? <laughs> right. So where were we? So David now, Saul releases him. He says, David, my son, I'm so sorry. I was trying to kill you for 15 years, but please forgive me. And they, they make, you know, amends. But David knows Saul. He's going to have one of these episodes again. So he starts running away. And this time, he runs away from his own countrymen, his own king. And he goes to Goliath's family. Read, read it. It's absolutely beautiful. He was so desperate that he went to the Philistine king. He went to the Philistine king and he said, man, please take me in, man. Come on, pastor. This is the only church that I can come to. Everybody else is rejecting me. Every other pastor doesn't want me, but please take me, take me. Love me, love me. I, nobody loves me, but can you please love me? This is just, I felt the love of God in this church, brother, when I came. <laughs> uh, so David now is fighting for the Philistine king. He's fighting on his behalf. And he's taking out Israeli camps. <laughs> for, for, just imagine what is happening to this man. He is, put yourself in his place. His own king has rejected him. Then he goes to the, to the Philistines and then eventually the Philistine people are like, this guy, man, he's so powerful. One day he'll become a king and then he'll take over us and then he'll rule us. So let's kick him out. So even his enemy kicks him out. <laughs> it's like you're going to one bank. They don't give you anything. Go to another bank. They don't want you. Come, enter, the <laughs> enter the bank account. <laughs> and then while he's leaving, 600 men. His warriors and him are leaving the Philistines and they're coming back to, it's funny, but it's called Ziklag. The name that, that he, the city that he, he had uh, for himself. He's coming back to Ziklag and then the Amalekites, another enemy, comes and ransacks his town. Burns it to the ground, kidnaps all his family, his wives, kids, all of it and the wives and kids of all the warriors and takes them and goes away. And they come into the city. And the Bible says that they wept till they had no more strength to weep anymore. You must understand the crisis that this man is in. Everything that he has tried is failing. Every person that he goes to is rejecting him. Every he's innocent. You must understand that. He's innocent. He's innocent. He has not made any. In fact, he's actually doing favors for people. He's actually working hard for them. But they don't want him. Only because he's been anointed as king. Oh, come on. Oh. 
more. You must understand that when you are anointed of the Lord, you become a threat to anybody. You, you go to work, you're a threat. The boss knows something about this guy. If I give him that client, he will take over my role. But your role is to take over his role. Your role, you're anointed to grow. You're anointed to progress. You're anointed to be the head and not the tail, the beginning and not the end. Every place your foot shall tread, the Lord will give it to you because you are anointed. <laughs> Come on, man. Can you imagine the stress this guy's going, oh my God, how am I going to get the money to pay the bills? <laughs> yeah. It's in this moment when they have no more strength to cry. Men, 600 men crying together have no more strength to cry anymore. That he, even now, his own men, his own family, his own warriors, the people that defended him, the people that fought with him, they're fighting other people. Now, they turn on him. His own people that he has fought with, they start talking. Let's stone this guy. Not get stoned. Let's stone. <laughs> I, saw some, I saw some of you guys thinking that. He said, let's stone this guy. And now all of them are around David. He's surrounded by these people. He cannot even take out his guitar and say, Then sings my soul, how great is our God. Your grace holds me now. He can't do any of that. In fact, he can't even open his mouth. The minute he opens the mouth, they're going to go for him. You must understand the crisis that he is in. It is in this place that he writes the psalm. It's in this place. Do you, have you ever been in that place? I want to tell you something. If you've been in that place where nothing is working out, it's in that place that God can hear the whisper. The whisper. The whisper that comes out of your mouth. In a moment where you have no more strength left, God can hear the whisper that comes out of your mouth. It is more powerful than anything else that you could ever do. More powerful than attending church. More powerful than going and allowing people to speak into your life. More powerful when you shift your focus. The Bible says that in that moment that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You can be going through the worst situation of your life today. Or you could be going through a good situation in your life today. Trust me, I'm, what I'm going to share today is going to be for both. No matter what it is, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't look for somebody to strengthen me. Pastor, please pray for me. Let me, now pastor's not listening. He doesn't want to pray for me. Now I'll go to life coach. Coach, please pray for me. Life coach doesn't want listening. I go to head. Head, please pray for me. Pray for me on my head. <laughs> whatever anybody pray for me give me strength tell me something nice about myself empower me call out the greatness in me but what what if I told you that that's completely wrong there's a secret that I want to share with you today 
This is the culture of life. This is the character of a new creation. The character of a new creation doesn't depend on other people to make sure that your life gets better. You, you, as a new creation, your character is founded in Christ. Your character is founded in who God is and what God can do for you and what God is doing for you. All you got to do is just shift your focus from your problem onto your provider. Are you with me? And so I, wanna, I want us to now read and we'll go through this, this psalm um, verse by verse. From verse 5, not from the beginning. We go from verse 5. He says, oh Lord, you. Say you. you. Who? Me? No. <laughs> oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God, even if my family is gone away, even if they die, even if I don't have any money, even if whatever my father stored up for me, I don't get it. God, you are my inheritance. No, 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 no. Come on now. There's a, this is a shift. The shift is I can see all my problems around me. That's not my inheritance. Oh, come on, man. Come on. Come on. My problems, your problems are not your inheritance. The consequences of your choices are not your inheritance. The Lord is your inheritance. He shifted his gaze and he said, Lord, you are my inheritance. In this moment when nobody loves me, I know you love me. You are my inheritance. And he says, you are my cup. Oh my gosh, just imagine Jesus at, at Gethsemane with the, and he says, God, my father, let this cup pass away from me. And he says, Jesus is, is saying, God, you are my inheritance and my cup. He says, everything that you have for me, I'll drink. Come on, man. He looks at this crisis and he says, that's not my drink. You don't have to drink debt. Don't sip on sickness. Don't sip on rejection. Don't sip on doubt. Don't sip on sin because it's not your inheritance. Your inheritance is in the Lord. The Lord is your inheritance. The Lord is your cup. Sip on the Lord. Communion. Communion is the cup. Communion is the cup of Jesus. Have a cup of Jesus, brother. Not a pint of beer. Have a cup of Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I, this is the reason why I got a bit intoxicated last night. Because when I started listening, to, I was listening to Jesus and he, he started, it was like this. I, I was preparing my message and he said, just stop for a minute. Just have a drink of me. I was like, have a drink of you? How can I drink? He said, just put your cup out and I'll fill it with myself. And he just began to fill. And it was literally like the cup was being filled with the DNA of Jesus, with the DNA of Abba Father. And the, the perfect DNA, the dominant DNA, the, the very experience of heaven was being filled in that cup. And I just took a sip and it was literally like electricity went through my body because I felt like the heaven just entered into me. You must understand that God is about experience. 
If you've been coming to church and you're not being experiencing something, there was a problem between your two years. You've been thinking too much. In fact, I would encourage you to sink a little bit. Sink into Jesus. Lose yourself. Lose that old man. Lose the problems. Just allow yourself to get submerged and immersed into the, into the love of Christ. <laughs> oh, right. Where were we? Five. Right. Then he says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And here he goes, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Okay? The Lord has given him counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. David, now look up at me. David now, in a moment where it's crisis all around, he decides to do the opposite. Instead of ask God for a deliverance, he just starts blessing the Lord. Instead of asking God for a breakthrough, he just starts blessing him. You know how the church has done it wrong? If you have a problem, come, let's pray for you. The right way to do it, if you have a problem, bless the Lord, brother. When, when, when David says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel, it means that there that, are that two things that are happening there. I will bless the Lord for giving me counsel, right? There are two things that are happening there, right? I will bless the Lord for giving me counsel and my heart also instructs me in the night seasons. So the heart and the Lord are two different things. Are you okay with the word or are you already tired? Okay. So there's two things happening here. I will bless the Lord for he has given me counsel. When did he give him counsel? It wasn't in this moment. Because in this moment, he's experiencing a night season. You know what a night season is? A, a night season is everything around you is shouting louder than the voice of God in your life. Have you ever experienced that where you're going through a season where you cannot hear God's voice because of the circumstances around you? They're so loud. The storms are screaming at you. Sickness is screaming. A doctor's report is screaming at you. And in that moment, you need to hear the voice of God, but you can't because every voice is louder than the voice of God. It's called a night season. It's called a night season. And in that night season... You can't hear the voice of God because your problems are talking to you more louder than Jesus is. But in that night season, David's heart instructs him. Listen to me very carefully. When he was going through a day season, when everything was going very well, brother, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm feeling the presence of God. I feel it in my bones. You're about to move. All of those songs are coming. Ah, Jesus says, praise the Lord. Money's in the bank. Hallelujah. Everything's happening. It's a day season where now all your problems are not talking to you as loud. Hmm? It is in those seasons when David was not being attacked where he went and feasted on the counsel of God. It was in the seasons where everything was going well, David decided to, to feast on the word of God. That's why he says, whether day or night, I meditate on the law of God. 
Oh, come on, man. Do you understand? Whether day or night, it's not like day, day, like daytime. He's like when everything is going well. I'm meditating. I'm feeling. I need to fill myself with God's word as much as possible. Why? Because I know there's a night season coming. I know there's a night season coming where the storms are so loud that I, can't, I won't be able to hear God's voice on the outside. I need to be able to hear God's voice on the inside. On the inside, his heart begins to instruct him. His heart was the one that said, put your hand over your mouth and pray. Put your hand on your mouth and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, David. In this moment, a renewed mind will instruct you in the middle of a storm. You must understand that we go through these two seasons. It's not God taking us through these seasons, but he expects you to steward your season. He expects you to steward, recognize what is happening around you and fill yourself with the word of God. Something beautiful happened to David. It was, it was when he allowed the word of God to, to renew his mind, to take an old thought about himself and replace it with a God thought. It caused him to enter into a dimension, there's that word again, enter into a cycle of, of not, it's an uncontrollable power. Come on, man. I wish you could get it. How do you think one guy can nail a giant? Unless he had a power that, that could, was not dependent on his physical power. Do you understand what I'm saying? David had to come into a place where he, in, in the day seasons, where he renewed his mind with God's word. And when it renewed his mind with, God, with, God, with God's word, it caused David to enter into the night season with full assurance. That even though I'm weeping physically, I don't have the ability to pray. My heart, a renewed mind, begins to release a power. It begins to release a power that is uncontrollable. I can't control that power because my heart instructs me. What does your heart instruct you today? What does your heart instruct you before you came into this room? Oh, you know, I'm just going to another church meeting. Oh, I'm just, you know, my, my wife, brother. Oh, my pastor. Oh, his wife and oh, the screen and oh, 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 there's 20 woes happening. What is instructing you when the crisis is instructing you. When your problems in your life are telling you a word, who do you submit to? You're, you can't find Jesus on the outside. I can't feel his presence, brother. I don't know what it is. What's this Pastor John talking about? Intoxication and all that kind of stuff. I, do, I feel nothing. In those moments, you should hear your heart, your mind, instruct you the word of God because that very moment is the key of breakthrough it is the moment God is not looking to come from the outside to save you God is looking to come from the inside to rescue you it's something when you tap a resource center in your heart. That you have so much of the word of God in you. That you don't need God TV. <laughs> you don't need 
Daystar and TBN. You don't need another SoundCloud message from Pastor John to give you more seed. Trust me, I'll tell you something. You know, a lot of the times people try methods that cause them to feel better but never give you a breakthrough. And I want to tell you, uh, the character of the new man, the new creation, is, a, is a, a, he, he, he or she is like this. That in the midst of crisis, I have to whisper. And when I whisper, power. I'm not going to shout at the demon. I just have to whisper. But what, is, what, I, what, I, what am I whispering? Bless you, Lord. In this dark moment, you are my everything. In this moment, God, where everybody hates me, I know that you love me. This is the moment where David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord strengthened David. David strengthened himself in the Lord. There's something that happens to you when your mind is renewed by the word of God. It completely changes your circumstance. The story goes that David asked for an ephod. It's the priestly garment. He wore the ephod and he went and he stood out in the open and he prayed. He said, Lord, do you want me to attack these people? And the Lord said, go and attack them. And some of his people weren't with him, but he went with half his people. He, he nailed the enemy rescued everyone and came back. How does that happen to a person who has no strength to weep? How, how can you, in a moment of crisis where you are so weak, you have no strength to cry, man, to go from that to going and taking out an army with half the amount of people? It is in that moment that you must understand that this is a new creation character. When I say don't come to me for prayer, all I'm saying is I'm positioning you to be a new creation. Yeah. It's not that I don't love you and I don't want, you to, don't want to pray for you. I pray for you throughout the week for you to have your breakthroughs. Yeah. Just because you hear me pray for you doesn't mean that your breakthrough has come. Please listen to me. Just because you agree with my prayer means that your breakthrough has come. So why don't you agree with the prayer of Jesus for your life? He is more powerful than John standing here in this room. He is more closer to you than John. You don't have to pick up a phone call. You just have to pray within yourself. God, I bless you in this moment. And I thank you that you are with me and you never leave me nor forsake me. It's in that moment that strength and a new strategy comes into your life. You know, <clears throat> David in verse 8, <clears throat> in verse 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I have set, he's not saying the Lord has set himself. He said, I have set. 
Which means this whole psalm, your breakthrough is actually in your mouth. The breakthrough, any breakthrough in your life that you need is already in your mouth. You have it. It's already in you. You don't need God to come from the outside. You just need to allow God from the inside to come out. It's in your mouth. When you begin to pray, he says, I have set the Lord always. I studied that word. It means always. Always. The Greek and the Hebrew, they mean the same thing. You know what? Always. Some of you have, have had the habit of setting your problem before you. Just think about this. What you behold, you become. If you can take your eyes off everything and behold him and set your eyes on him, now you get transferred, transformed into his image and likeness. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. It means that G David would have probably been right-handed. And it was his strong arm. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. When he says, I, he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. He's saying that God, the Lord, is my strength. Yeah. And every time the Lord is my strength, I fix him as my strength, I shall not be moved. Yeah. Every time you fix the Lord, set him above you. Set him in your mind. Set him on the throne of your heart. Listen to me very carefully. The minute you set the Lord on his rightful place, on the throne of your heart, he becomes the strength in your mind. A lot of the times Christians are strong on the outside but weak on the inside. Because when temptation, trials, and circumstances come your way, they first come to attack your mind. If it attacks your mind, you will lose the battle. The battle is not on the outside, it's between your ears. Touch your neighbor and say, it's between your ears. The battle is between your ears. So if you allow what's happening on the outside to get into your mind, you've already lost. But if you can allow the word of God to enter in between your ears. Hello. You've already won. You don't have to walk around like, like, oh my gosh, you know, victory in Jesus' name. Victory in Jesus' name. Cast out the demon. You don't have to do anything like that. You just have to be yourself. Know that the victory is already yours. Know that the client is already yours. By the way, I'm seeing four new clients coming to you this month. Where's Ken? Where's Ken? He's in the next room. Hey, Ken, I just want to tell you, I'm looking over there. Ken, I just want to tell you that the Lord has released a breakthrough in your business for you. Just watch out for your business. It's going to turn around now. <clears throat> Set your eye upon the Lord. You must understand, in that moment, instead of David, because everything is against David, man. He's rejected. He's dejected. He's cast out. He has no authority with his people. Everyone close to him wants to nail the guy. It's in that moment David could have chose to feel sorry for himself. Oh, poor me. Why don't they love me? Why don't they want to hang out with me? Why don't they add me on Facebook? 
Why don't they like my picture on Instagram? Instead of feeling guilty and condemned, which he could have, he allowed himself to be strengthened. Who cares whether anybody likes your picture or not? Just don't care. Put it up there and just let it ride. If they want to see your picture, they'll smile. If you're smiling in your picture, people will smile. If you're depressed, they'll... It's like if you, if you, if you look like that, everybody's going <laughs> to... Just imagine, just think about this. The world will reflect what you look like. It's a, it's a word of wisdom, man. If your world around you is depressed, it's because you've allowed depression to come around you. See, when, you know, true repentance, I want to tell you this. True repentance is not you feeling guilty about yourself. True repentance is not about you feeling condemned. In fact, true repentance is a positioning of strength. The, the story that comes to my mind is in the book of Nehemiah, where these people having a church service, they build the walls and now the enemy cannot get in. And you must understand Israel during those times were, were so invaded by other nations that they did not even know their own language. So when the time came for them to, to read the Torah, they were standing on stage and the whole nation was in front of them. They're reading the Torah and the people could not understand what was being read. Just like something happening today. <laughs> right? They're reading like this and people, they're like, we're millennials. <laughs> we don't get this Jesus stuff. It's about me. Anyway, so, so, they're, so over there, they're over there. And now, because they can't understand, these guys who are reading, just imagine a church service in those days, okay? They, they read, they're standing on a platform, they read from morning till noon. Hello. That's a good message. And then they, after that, they worshiped from moon, noon, moon, noon till moon, <laughs> till noon to midnight. No, no, noon to sunset. Sunset. That was the church service. The church service was from morning till night. And some people complain. They're supposed to be a new creation. Anyway, so Nehemiah is like, these people are listening to the word and instead of rejoicing, they're crying. They, they, they understand that all their life now, they've been living their life thinking they're God's people and, and I was one of them. You know, I was a pastor's kid. I thought I had a relationship with Jesus until I, I started reading the Bible for myself. <laughs> right? And I thought I was, I was wow, wow, man, I'm a good Christian. But then my actions were... Anyway... So, so the Israelites now have been, for many years, have not heard the word of God. And they think they're God's people. And they're living their life thinking they're doing the right things. What's the difference between them and Saul? Right? They think they're doing the right thing. Until the day that they come to church, a church called Life Church Global. And they start hearing the truth for the first time. And they realize that this, this stuff that they're talking about is the word of God. And so now, instead, of, instead of, of rejoicing that they're hearing God's word, they're feeling condemned. 
Because they're looking at themselves through the word of God and they're not seeing how God sees them through his word. True repentance is about positioning yourself in such a way that it causes you to be more strengthened rather than be weak. These people listening to the word of God realized, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, all my life, (laughs) all my life, I thought I was a good Christian until I came to this church. And, and I'm feeling like I've lived, my life is a waste. And they start feeling guilty about themselves. And they start conde- condemning themselves. And they feel, oh, they start crying and stuff. And Nehemiah says, Baba, just stop, stop, stop. We're doing this the wrong way. Instead of condemning yourself, you need to allow the word of God to replace that thing which was already there. Because if it happens now, you will realize that the joy of the Lord is my. So what does that mean? It means that in the presence of God, where, the, where God is present in his word, in my mind, it, it doesn't allow me to be condemned or feel guilty or shameful about myself. In fact, true repentance it allows you to feel joy. Come on, man. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? Everybody at the back, nod your head if you feel anything. Yeah. True repentance is not you feeling sorry for yourself and not even thinking God is feeling sorry for you. True repentance is changing a thought and bringing a God thought. And when you have the thought of God in your mind, it does not allow you to feel sad and depressed. If you look at a Christian who is sad and depressed, it's because their mind is not renewed. If you look at a Christian who's fearful, that Christian, his mind is not renewed. Nothing wrong with the heart. It's just the mind is a problem. If you look at people in your life who are around you and you see that the fruit of what they believe, it will tell you whether they're a Christian or not, whether their mind is renewed or not. How do I know that? Brother, the Bible says, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So are you free? Some of you are not even free. <laughs> are you free? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I'm in the right church. <laughs> Jesus says, "You shall know them by their fruit." So, if 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 the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, look at what is happening around you. If, if relationships around you are being destroyed, then you know the issue. The issue is not with relationships. The issue is with the mind. If there's destruction happening in your life, somebody has counseled you. If, there, if, if, if there's something, you, you feel like, ah, money is being stolen out of my life. Ah, something's being stolen all the time. It's because you've allowed it. It, it means that the stronger man is coming and binding the strong man. Please, we have lived as weak Christians all our life. Only because we've not known the truth. And the truth has not renewed our mind. If the truth renews your mind, then what begins to happen is you're, you, you realize that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if the word of God, the realm within the realm, within the word, is joy... And that joy is the strength of the Lord. 
And if that word begins to come and dwell in my mind, then true repentance is not one of sorrow and depression. True repentance is of strength. So when you look at a Christian who's going through hell, but strong, now you know his mind is renewed. Oh, come on. Come on now. Right? Because in the midst of hell, you're not looking for angels to come and rescue you. Because God is the one who allowed you to get into that place. Because he wants you to depend on him on the inside. Now the question I have for you today is this. In your good seasons, were you investing the word of God in your mind? Because when the night season comes, what are you banking on? What are you leaning on? Because for David during the night season, he was leaning on the word of God. He was leaning on the renewed mind. It was that mind that caused him to be strong. Are you with me? David says, in in your presence, there is fullness of joy. It's a question I have for Christians, all of us. Is there joy in your mind? Because if there's joy in your mind, you will see it on the face. Let me show you how. Let me show you how. Let me show you how. Verse 9. Let's read it together. Verse 9. Therefore, my and my. Stop. What does he say? My and my. Let's read it again, okay? Therefore, and my, before you go into my heart is glad, what does he say there? Therefore, because, which means the preceding verse is the reason why he's experiencing this. So what is the preceding verse? I have set the Lord. Always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Come on now. Come on now. So for you to rejoice in the Lord, huh? there has to be a therefore. You have to set the Lord upon his rightful place in the throne of your heart, in the throne of your mind. When you set the Lord always before you, now, therefore, therefore, my heart rejoices. Not his mind in the sense that, oh, I've decided, brother, that I'm going to be happy. It has nothing to do with that. His, his mind is instructing him saying, hey, be glad. He's not saying be happy. He's saying, be glad. Be glad. Why? Because the Lord is present. Oh, come on. I'm telling you, if I went for a conference and I preached outside of this country, people would have been jumping up and down now. But you don't have to do it now because they would understand the value of the word. So you need to get it. You need to get the word. You need to celebrate. This is a church that celebrates the word. You know why? Because I'm not interested in impressing you and I'm not interested in being impressed, but I want the word of God to change your life. And if it, if it cannot change your mind here, it will not change your life outside. Place a value on the word, man. I'm telling you, my life changed when I trusted the word of God. He says this, therefore, 
my heart. That word heart is the word mind. Is your mind glad? Why is your mind glad? It's because in your mind you have set the Lord. Always. 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 In church, set my mind. In the car, set my mind. Grocery shopping, set my mind. In the shower, set my mind. When I'm having dinner, set my mind. When my kids are scratching the life out of me, I set my mind. (laughs) When I have five exams on a Friday, oh my goodness, I set my mind on things above. I set my mind on the Lord. I've, I've met some people, man, I'm telling you. I've met some people. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory. You know what glory means? It's your countenance. Have you ever looked at a person and they look dead? (laughs) They look depressed. They don't even have to open their mouth. They open their mouth, it's like, like, it's like rubbish just comes out. And it's just like negativity, negativity, negativity. David is saying, my glory rejoices. There's something that happens. You must understand. Are you okay? Yeah. You like this, right? Yeah. Okay. Though in the word of God, carries the, Jesus is the glory of the Father. You must understand. He is the countenance of the Father. And when you set the Lord in your mind, in his rightful place, he begins to leak his glory into your mind. In, in your mind, glory exists. You'll begin to see it on people's faces. That's why I'm saying, smile. Because it tells me that your mind is renewed. And there's joy happening on the inside of you. If there's no joy happening on the inside of you, it's like, oh my God, they're dragging me through this service, pastor. You will stay in your crisis. You will stay in your crisis. If you don't get out of that crisis by placing the Lord always before you. Always set him. Set him. You know what a ring, a a diamond is set on a ring. Forever. It cannot, forever, but you know what I mean. As long as possible. It remains on the ring. It doesn't decide, oh, today I'm going from this ring to this ring. And then from this ring to your ring. And I'll go all over the place. Once you set the Lord, he is set. Set the Lord. I'm telling you, set the Lord in your mind. Set him always. No matter what you're doing, set the Lord. Oh, Brother John, how do I do this? How do I do this setting? I tell you. (laughs) When you wake up in the morning, the first thought should be, Lord, I set you on on the throne of my heart today. Today, this day is a holy day. It's not a holiday. It's a holy day unto you. God, I dedicate this day that you will be on the throne of my heart all the time. Every day, no matter what happens around me, God, I covenant myself with you and I place you on the rightful place in my mind. That's how you start your day. And then when you're having breakfast, mm, you taste those eggs and you taste that, that toast and the maple syrup and Jesus, you are so good. That's how you keep him set. And then you get, and you're leaving now and you drink this coffee. And oh my God, the coffee is so good. God, I love this coffee. You set him on, 
on the throne of your heart and then you get into the car and instead of listening to Radio 1, Radio 2 and Mirchi, now you listen to Jesus on the radio and you listen to that worship song and you're worshipping, you're worshipping and your mind is set on Him. You go to the office and you walk into the office because Jesus is on the throne. It's His office. You go through your day at lunch break, you're meeting your friends and you're talking to them. Brother, I don't want to sit and listen to this negativity because Jesus is on the throne. He is speaking positivity to me right now. You get into your car after work and now you come, you're driving home listening to Jesus. Oh, he's still on the throne. You come back home and you say, honey, I'm home because Jesus is on the throne. All depression is left in the car because Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is not on the throne in heaven. He's in the throne of your heart. And he's, now you, you come home and you look at your kids and your kids don't think you're angry with them. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, brother. Joy of the Lord. Now your kids actually come and they want to hang out with you because they don't think you're going to get punished. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're not scared of you. Daddy, daddy, can I please have? No, they come and they jump on you only because they know they will never be rejected because the joy of the Lord will never reject them. And then you talk to your wife and no matter what her flaws, no matter what your flaws, there's joy communicating. There's peace communicating. There's Holy Ghost communicating. There's, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This this is what it means to have Jesus set on the throne of your life. This is what it means. This is what it means for you to be a new creation in Christ. It means the old junk is gone, man. Pastor, I've come to church now. Impress me with your word. I can't impress you with anything. If Jesus has not impressed you, who am I? You will never get impressed. You will never be pleased with a man if you've not encountered the pleasure of the Father on the inside of you. Come on, man. So good. So good. So good. Jesus says in John 15, he says this. <laughs> he says, my joy, let my joy be full. Let's read it, John 15, John 15, John, I love John, I really do, and my wife loves John too. <laughs> hey, I can hear the parents laughing, just, just receive more in that room, receive more of that joy. You must understand that joy is not alcohol. It's not like a drunken feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of you were in chains all your life. And now all of a sudden you just figured out that you can move your hands. Because every chain is broken. Every prison has been broken. You are set free now. Your life is ahead of you. You are so free that you can do whatever you want and God's not going to get angry with you. Ooh, did Pastor John say that? Yes, I did. Because God's anger was finished on the cross. God cannot get any more angrier. 
His wrath was poured out on that cross. And in John 15, he says this, these things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. Which means the word of God. He gave him the word. The same word that you're receiving today. The same word that David had on the inside of his heart. He says, these things I have spoken to you. That my joy. May. And that your joy. I think we need to read that again because I feel like some of you don't believe what you're reading. Let's read it together. These things I have that I feel like we need to read it again. Read it again. Come on. One, two, three. These things I have spoken to you that You can experience the fullness of joy only if his joy remains, abides in you. You have been permanently grafted into the vine. You are permanently in Christ. You can never be taken out again. You must understand, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to look at me now. God is not serious on the inside of you. is not serious. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. What is a fruit? It's the product of a seed. What is the seed in you? So if the word is in your mind, it produces a fruit called joy. 